Hello, Lager lovers, malt maniacs and porter purveyors. I'm Paul Taylor and welcome to In Pursuit of Hoppiness. This is a podcast about craft beer on the Sunshine Coast. Now, as you're already listening to me, I reckon you know that craft beer is booming, with the number of independent breweries in Australia doubling in just a handful of years. Seven or 800 at last count and quickly heading towards that magic 1,000 mark. And the Sunshine Coast, well, it's leading the way. So much so, it's become the craft beer capital of Australia, with about 20 breweries and counting. This podcast is about those breweries and the people behind the beer, who they are, how they got started and why they chose the Sunshine Coast. Today, I crack a tinny or two with Torella Brewing's founder, owner and head brewer, a bloke called Brant Bamford. Now, Brant is a knockabout type of fella. He's armed with a dream in his mind, a twinkle in his eye, and a bucket full of energy to boot. We have a chinwag over Sunshine Coast holidays being more than meets the eye, brewing bootleg booze and not getting busted, an introduction that turned his dream into a reality. So here is Torella Brewing's Brant Bamford, a great bloke who I'd sit down and have a beer with anywhere, anytime, you just got to get him to sit down. Ooh, the sunshine on the water so fine. Mmm, see the waves fall. Sky is blue and the wind's offshore. Now's the time to raise a toast to the crafty beers of the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, crafty beers. Brett Bamford, hello. Yeah. G'day, mate. How you going? Lovely to meet you. You too. You now, too. before we start, we have something in common. I have an affinity for you already. Oh, yeah? You're a sparky, I'm told. Oh, uh, if anyone asks, I'm not. <laughs> because <laughs> you've got, you got to fix stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, I still have mates ask, hey, mate, what about this? I'm like, oh, I don't know, mate. I'll answer brewing questions. Yeah, <laughs> so, my, so my son is a sparky. Oh, you're not. So, uh, yeah, I think we have a connection already. Yeah, for sure. Plus, you brought beer. I did. So, we, we <laughs> things are off to a great start. You were a Sparky. I was a Sparky, mate, yeah, for many, many years, yeah. Give me a bit of a background. Oh, look, I, I, I grew up in uh, in the Pilbara. Yeah, basically did, did my apprenticeship back in the day with Rio Tinto and worked in the oil and gas industry for, for a fair while after that. Yeah, just got jack of the whole fly and fly out scene. Uh, we moved over here about 10 years ago. Why did you move to the Sunshine Coast? It's a, it's it's You can't get any further away oh, in Australia, the Pilbara to the sunny coast. Yeah, How yeah. come? There's trees over here. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, look, it's just the, the weather and, you know, where we were living in Carrara had changed a lot. So, yeah, we just we, we wanted a, a change, basically, a sea change, effectively. What had you heard about the Sunshine Coast when you were living in the Pilbara? Oh, look, we'd been over many a times on holidays. Ah. Yeah, like my parents came over here first and they were living here, so we sort of followed them a bit. Righto. Yeah. Is it everything that you thought it might be? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's so good. It, it has a permanent sort of chilled vibe. You know, rather than the mining towns, the hustle and bustle of the mining towns is sort of totally different. One of the interesting things I've already picked up about you is that 
the Sunshine Coast is known for the beaches, you know, yeah. the best beaches in the world. Yeah, absolutely. But you're more than the beaches kind of guy, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, like I said, it's it's. I kind of wasn't joking. I love trees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Growing up in the Pilbara was nothing but spinifex and, you know, red rocks yeah. essentially. So, yeah, we've got a property out at Doonan. Um, it's just awesome. Love waking up in amongst all the, all the forests and all the trees. And it's- a lot of people wouldn't also realise this. Our rivers are fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good fishing. We, we go and get red claw out at some of the dams and, you know, fish at the river and, yeah, no, nah, it's awesome. It's, so, it's you're, cool. so you're telling somebody about the Sunshine Coast, yeah, the surf, the beaches, the pandanus, yeah. but that hinterland yeah. really is something special, isn't it? Absolutely, mate, yeah, and that's why our, our brewery is located on 69 acres, you know, and we're surrounded by trees and, and natural bush. It's, it's, it's awesome. You've put your money where your mouth is, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I live in a shed. Uh, put 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 everything I have into the brewery. So yeah, the <laughs> wife and kids and myself are hunkered up in a shed in Doonan. So yeah, you've got your six and nine acres in Doonan. You've your brewery is called Torella. Yes. Where'd you get the name from? What is it? Well, Torella, like it's a uh, little earth in Latin. Originally, yeah, we wanted to be called the Malt Vault Brewing Company, but yes. uh, the Malt Shovel. Uh, there's a few other uh, <laughs> uh, common breweries with that sort of name. Pretty so, common, right? Yeah, yeah. rather than than tackle that, we thought, no, let's just choose something that sort of represents a bit who we are in terms of Little Earth and, um, you know, set on set on the beautiful farm and giving the spent grain back to the cows and the whole the whole sort of symbiotic relationship we have with the land, then, yeah, I thought that was pretty fitting. So describe your brewery setup. So, yeah, so we're on 69 acres. We're in a massive, big industrial shed. The brew floor itself is not real big. I think it's 16 metres by 9 metres, so it's pretty crammed, but we have lots of open spaces, lots of area for people to pull up a picnic blanket on the grass and, you know, enjoy a couple of beers. It's it's We've got plenty of manicured lawns for kids to be kids. You know, we encourage kids to come out and kick the footy and, you know, we've got cricket sets and frisbees and all that sort of stuff. So leave your iPads, phones at home and, yeah, kids get back to being kids. You've got animals too. Yeah, yeah, we've got a petting zoo. Yeah, there's goats and sheep and little mini horses and yeah, all, all sorts for the kids. <laughs> You've got a mini horse. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of them, yeah. What's yeah. a mini horse? Oh, they're pretty grumpy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're- uh, Push the kid towards they're, the mini they're, horse. They're pretty naughty, actually, yeah. they got uh, they got personalities to match, little, little horse syndrome, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you thought of this brewery thing, where did that come from, from being a sparky? Yeah, so I, I started getting into, well, the wife bought me a home brew kit, probably, I don't know, maybe 10, 10 11 years ago now. Yeah. Yeah, I got right into it and then I started buying equipment and next thing I was uh, importing some little stainless steel fermenters from China and some bits and pieces and it was just overtaking our house. Oh, like, really? Yeah, the whole shit. I had 20 grand worth of equipment and <laughs> my wife, my wife Shannon, she's, she's like, mate, you got a problem, you know, like, no, there's no problem. But um, so, yeah, then we had, we had a bit of a Barney one night about, you know, me flying in and flying out. I just wasn't happy and she said, well, just do something you bloody like, you know, and I said, yeah. all right, I'm going to open a brewery. She said, fine, do it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So I, I decided uh, there and then to sort of have a crack at it and it was just like sliding door moments. Within a couple of weeks, I had a green grocer used to deliver fruit and veg to our property out of Doonan. Yeah. And I always used to hook him up with all the new home brews, you know, see what he reckoned. And, man, your beer's awesome. You've got to open a brewery one day. And anyway, three weeks after having this bit of a discussion with the wife, he rings me up out of the blue and he says, hey, I've got this guy, uh, Ashley Thompson. You know, he's got this property out at uh, Yandina and um, – he thinks he wants to put a brewery out there. Can mm. I bring him round? I said, yeah, no worries. So he brought him round and we sat in the patio, had a few beers and uh, discussed it. And he said, yeah, look, come out tomorrow, have a look at the space, see if, see if you reckon it could work. And then a handshake later, we're uh, we're into it. So, yeah, so basically we, we delayed building our house, so we still live in a shed. We put everything we own into it. 
So the wife's like, this better bloody work. <laughs> this I, is a story yeah. that if, if, if you said somebody's uh, written this, somebody would say, look, it's not believable. Yeah, enough. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because, I mean, I don't have – probably best guy I'd be running a business, but I have no value in money, you know. Like I'm like, ah, I just go and earn more. Like it, it doesn't really matter. Um, but the wife's like, oh, my God. But, um, yeah, no, look, it is working. The, the locals are fully supportive of us out there and, yeah, I think I still jump out of bed every morning at 4 o'clock passionate about – going out there, which is awesome. So uh, what's Ashley's background? Uh, Ashley's background, he, he comes from like tree lopping industry. So, yeah, so he's – but now he's ventured into uh, vertical farm systems. So he, he grows these uh, – he builds these and constructs and designs these indoor grow cells essentially that right. grow leafy greens and bits and pieces under UV lights. So they build these systems and they sell them all over the world. Which is beside you. Yeah, it's in the same building. So um, we're kind of married together in, in a few different ways. So they – um. In, in their their units that they grow these lettuce and everything, their prototype models, they um they've got to dehumidify the enclosures, yep. so they pull a lot of the moisture out of the air to stave off you know molds and things like that. Uh, and that desalinated water essentially uh, goes into our holding tanks. That gets blended with our rainwater, which we have abundance of at the moment. And yeah, we brew, brew beer out of that. That so, is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then you know, obviously the, the lettuce and uh, bits and pieces, uh, root matter and stuff goes to the cows. Our spent grain goes to the cows. So yeah, it's it's a pretty cool sort of. It's beautiful, is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And what are you brewing? What are we brewing? We're brewing heaps of different beers. Yeah. Do you know where to start when somebody asks you a question like that? What yeah. are you brewing? Do you know where to start? Is there a, a oh. starting point and then an ending point like it would be with a drink? Or yeah, look, or? we've I think we're up to about 100, 150, 160 odd recipes at the moment. Right. Um, what did you start with? Well, we started with the pale ale that I've got here today. Actually, well, don't um, be shy. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's have it. Let's crack one. Eh? This was uh, the first sort of beer that I started making. Well, what I thought successfully. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the, the beers that convinced Ash to have a have a crack at Gee, that's a good can. Yeah, it's uh yeah. It's oh, a simple thanks. design. Thanks. Um so we've what so, so what's this? It's so it's this a Torella. This is a Torella Pale Ale. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Uh Torella Pale Ale. It's it's kind of a, a an Australian style pale ale, more than an American. It's not as aggressive. Right. It has a low IBUs, so it's not, you know, it's not super hoppy, but it is super fruity. There's a pretty solid malt backbone. So what's an IBU? International bitterness unit. So just how many how bitter the product is. Oh, right, like chilies have a Scoville unit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the, And that's what the IBUs are. We get that from the oh, hops. So, um, that yeah. is good. That is really good. Uh, it's oh, cold. Geez. It's cold too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, nice and cold. How important is that? Uh, yeah, it's pretty important with um, these sorts of beers. I mean, it's our, our weather really. It's, you know, everyone wants a cold beer. Certain beers lend to warming up. You know, we've got a, a dry Irish stout and a couple other darker beers that we do that, that sort of open up a bit. Sounds sounds a bit wanky, but, you know, as it gets warmer, they um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. they, they, they do t- t- tend to take on a bit more flavour, you know. Breathing and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, It's just a warmer temperature. That looks thick. It, 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 it's a – Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. We um, oh, Look, we, we, we have a, a centrifuge on site, so we do filter all the hop matter out, but we run it through pretty quick, so we – we keep a bit of stuff in suspension. Why not? You know, it tastes tastes better. I reckon it tastes fantastic. Yeah, so you're talking about um, uh, the uh, the stuff at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. So just like basically, um, most of the yeast is taken out with the centrifuge. A lot of the hop debris is taken yeah, out. Right. But we've got a little bit of wheat in that as well, just for head retention and mouthfeel. So just yeah. for a lovely dear audience, we are. It is late morning. I certainly haven't had a beer yet. This is my first beer. And sometimes your first beer can be a little barbed wiry. Yep. This is not. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's pretty good. It's it's probably designed more for uh, the masses rather than the uh, the full hardcore beer snob, I guess you would say. Um, so there is a difference. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Like you know, if you're going to make a really super aggressive American style pale ale, yep. You know, it, it wouldn't sell as well at the brewery. Yeah, it's certainly yeah, typically fancy of it. And we do do those beers. Like yep. we've got you know double IPAs and all sorts of crazy big beers on the board. I mean, that's probably our model's a little bit different to a lot of the other breweries on the coast in terms of we do a lot of smaller batches. So we have our core range of five beers, but then we do like little fifties and five hundred liter batches. So we've got fourteen taps and we rotate. Pretty frequently, so pretty much every week there's a new beer. On so top. if we, if you go to visit a uh, up to the Sunshine Coast from say uh, Sydney or Melbourne, they go to your place. Yep. They enjoy their their the the beer that they have. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me there's no guarantee that beer will be there the next time they come up for their, no, so their holiday? No, they always winter? get a core range. So we've in the core range we've got like a hazy IPA, uh, a pale ale. We've got a session ale, which is a three and a half percent. Yep. Drinks a bit like a light pale ale, so pretty easy drinking. Yeah. We have a lager and we have a mango XPA. So we basically cover the bases in terms of, you know, a lot of different beer styles. And then we always run, you know, one or two dark beers on the board. We'll run one or two sours. You know, we do a cider. We do a ginger beer, do, you know, a lemonade. Like, yeah, we try and keep a varied sort of board. And then we do some really crazy stuff as well. We've got a... Terrellamite, uh, Vegemite infused <laughs> stout that's sort of. A few? Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, look. Oh, I've never thought of that yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. That's perfect um, sense. I know. One of my brewers, he's, he's, he's a bit out there. He's, he's trying to figure out how we can get a cheese flavour and he wants to do a Vegemite <laughs> cheese beer. I'm like, man, I think, I, think we need to, I think we need to stop at the Vegemite. But, um, but yeah, look, I encourage it. I'm like, mate, you know, the other two brewers that I've got, Ryan and Shane, they're awesome. And from day one of. Like when they first started with me, they were like, oh, what are we brewing? I'm like, well, what do you want to brew? Right. Go for it. Like pick something, choose something, pick a style, you know, knock yourself out. So So how'd you meet them? Well, Shane, I I broke my ankle uh, when I was home brewing out of the shed. Is that, and, uh, is that before or after you were drinking yeah, it? Yeah, I, I don't know if I, if I could say this, but I, I might get myself in trouble. But I was uh, uh, bootlegging a little bit of beer, <laughs> hypothetically. And, and, That's and I broke my ankle, so I couldn't. I had a, you know nearly 20 blokes on the books that I was uh, sort of um, providing beer to. This is And uh, so I put it out on Gumtree for someone to come around and I'll teach them how to brew, but they just got to lift everything and do it all yeah. because I was incapacitated. And uh, Shane, Shane replied and he said, yeah, look, I'd love to learn a brew. So he came around and, and helped me out for a few weeks. And then, um, you know, fast forward six months when I met Ash, I just called Shane up. He's a chippy by trade. Never brewed before in his life until he met me. And I said, mate, you want to come and, uh, you know, come for a ride? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So now uh, now it looks like he's going to go and start his own brewery, which is awesome. Oh, so, magnificent. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's done a couple of years for us. Um, right. Helped us out through COVID. You know, when COVID hit, that was just crazy. It was mental. So um, we didn't really have much money back then yeah. and uh, you just kept turning up. Isn't know? that lovely? Like, mate, I don't, I don't think I'll pay you, you know. Yeah. It's like, nah, it's all good. And you just turn up every day and keep working and, yeah, it was awesome. So I'm pretty proud of the fact that, you know, he's gone off into his own journey. That's so, yeah. really great, yeah. So you do have some regular things on the blackboard yep. uh, but you really do like tying, doing small batch stuff. Yeah, small batch and just just rotate it. See, we we have two or three food trucks out there every weekend and yep. we have live music. So we've got a heap of artists that we roll through and mm-hmm. we've got a heap of food trucks we roll through mm-hmm. as well. So essentially you can come out one weekend to Torello, you can try, you know, a few different beers and some different cuisines. You come out the next weekend, it'll be all different cuisines, different muso and, and one or two new beers on the board. So Is it anything like you thought it would be when no. you first started? No. No, not by a long stretch. Uh, we had a small little 200-litre pilot system and, um, you know, tiny little little brew house, and we thought, well, I thought, oh, I could just, you know, 
make beer on that and yep. have one or two staff out the front serving it and, you know, it'll, it'll be easy, but yeah. it's it's nothing like that. No. <laughs> no, no it's, it's, it's the old story. It's economy of scale, you know. Like yeah. you, just, you just can't make money unless you – if you're really, really small, like a little hole in the wall, mar and parts style yep. brew pub. No overheads, stuff like that. You know, minimal overheads yeah. and, you know, your wife's working the bar yep. and you're brewing. Yep. Yeah, you could make some money, not a lot of money. Yeah. It's either that or really, really big. Okay. It just doesn't seem to be this model of in-between. Right. Not, not, not financially viable anyway. And that includes tins too. I mean, what's the deal there? How do you get your beer into a tin? Yeah, so we bought a canning line. And we had that brought over from China. Um, we couldn't have the high-end one. So yeah. I've, I've actually been working on that with a, with a local uh, engineering guy, a guru, to get our dissolved oxygen numbers down, which uh, helps the beer keep stable and stuff like that. So, yeah, we've been working really hard to have a fresher product in cans. So what numbers are you trying to get down? Our dissolved oxygen. Right. So that's the amount of oxygen that gets into the beer while you're packaging it. Oh, really? Yeah. So we had some big problems uh, over the last six months with that, with this can line, but um, yeah, we've been working pretty hard and we've, we've cracked it now. So now we're getting really, really good numbers in the can, which means it's fresher beer for the punters out oh, in the world. Well, that was really good, that one. That was a, what, a Torella uh, Pale Ale. Uh, what percentage is that? Uh, that's in about 5%. Yeah. Yeah, 5%. So where would we go to next um, if, we, if, if we so desire, if our hearts so desired? Well, let's just take it up one notch, but we'll go to a hazy IPA. Okay. So the name... It's written on the can, isn't yep. it? Yep. So I'm expecting before that you pour this, yep. I'm expecting to be this hazier in colour yes, than the one we've just yep. had. Hazier, it'll have a, a, a thicker mouthfeel, a bit more of a white creamy head and just way more hop flavour. We put a truckload of hops in this one. So okay. He's, uh, where, yeah. where are we at with my new favourite term, the IBU? Uh, the IBU, so more, jacked up. So this has 45 rather okay. than 30 on the pale out. Look so. at this, I'm smelling beer yeah. now for the first time. Yeah, yeah, life. you can smell that. It's uh, super fruity, super punchy. Really um, smells fresh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was only packaged a couple of weeks ago, so yeah, it's pretty good. Crafty beers. <sighs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, so Gosh. easy drinking. Once again, it's not it's not an aggressive IPA. We had uh, we had an American fellow actually come in last year, an older older chap, and uh, wanting to talk to us brewers out the back because he was so offended that it wasn't wasn't an IPA. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it was funny. Hey, I was like, mate, you know, it is what it is. Okay, it's, so well, why do you call it an IPA? Oh, look, it kind of it, it kind of does fit in the style guidelines in terms of you know alcohol percentage and IBUs, but you know the Americans they they tend to uh, their, their palate's probably a little bit different to ours and they they're used to really, really aggressive, you know. Are they? Yeah, yeah. Our, our beers are more more mellow. Because um, they're big commercial beers, I would consider it to be less flavour yeah. oh, than yeah. Australian Look, beers. Got the Budweiser's of, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, the lagers are, are huge in the States. But, but the, Which are a bit of rice in, in Budweiser, I'm yeah, told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They use a lot of rice malt. Yep. Right. Yep, absolutely. Dries it out. Makes it makes it pretty easy drinking. Okay. What are you yeah. using? Uh, so we use uh, we don't use any rice malt or, or, or sugars in any of our beers. So, yeah, it's mostly just uh, malted barley. Malted wheat. This hazy IPA has like rolled oats, rolled barley, and rolled wheat in it. Oh, so it's good for breakfast. Yeah, it's pretty much breakfast juice. Yeah, that's that's what I reckon. It's breakfast <laughs> juice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's uh, not not for the gluten uh, intolerant. Right, uh, yeah. a gluten in it. Well, yeah, yeah. See, from, I don't know all of this from stuff. all the rolled stuff. Yeah, there, there's definitely. Quite is a there a gluten free beer? Yeah, there is. Oh, well, gluten reduced. It's it's hard to call something gluten free because right. of you know your processing equipment still has stuff that is. 
had gluten on it at one stage. So I, I don't think you can technically call it gluten-free. You can certainly say it's gluten-reduced. Uh-huh. But, yeah, like our cider and things like that doesn't contain any gluten, but we certainly ferment it in uh, the same vessels that have had gluten. Oh, I see. If that makes sense. Yeah, so it does make sense. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We just tell people, look, you know, if you are hyper, hyper allergic, just stay away just in case. Yeah, gotcha. You know, transfer hoses, whatever. You know, you may have cross-contamination, but um, – if it's just like a, one of those things where it just sort of, you know, might make you a little bit upset or you're just trying to reduce it from your diet, then go to town. You'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. And this beer is beautiful. So that's a hazy yeah. IPA. Is this one of those that is yep. on your- Yeah, these are both your- core ranges, yeah. So yeah. You'll, you'll get them all the time. We're in some Dan Murphy's and BWS on the coast, uh, a few restaurants and clubs and pubs. So, yeah. how, so how do you go from being a home brewer, bootlegging a bit, deciding you're going to do it professionally- mm. And then succeeding in that to some extent yep. to getting it onto the shelves of yeah. proprietors like Dan Murphy. What's that step like? Oh, expensive. <laughs> really expensive and a, and, a, and a huge learning curve. Like, oh, my God. Really? Oh, yeah. But more, more business. So, like, you know, I'm, I've always worked for companies. You know, I did my apprenticeship with Rio Tinto. I've, I've worked for, you know, Transfer Worley and Santos and, like, all these big mining companies. So I've never really ran my own business, yep. you know. So what now for you then? Because you're really you're still quite young, aren't you? Yeah. In in the game. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we're only a couple of years into it. Obviously, COVID. You know, Jesus, that that set us back. You really picked a good time to start. Oh my God, yeah. So that was um, yeah, that was just crazy. Cross, so we're we're over that. But have you noticed yeah. a real change? I've noticed yeah. a real change. Yeah, yeah, real change in the last probably six months. Yeah, it's coming back. You know, it was really sketchy there for a while. Um, but yeah, the last six months for us, it's definitely bouncing back. People are starting to spend their money again, and yeah, it's really good. So uh, Torella's out at. I get confused because I want to say North Arm. I want to say Doona, and I want to say no, Yandina. no. Uh, well, I live in Doona, but it's, right. it's 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 North Arm. It's North Arm, yeah, okay. which is which is only a couple of minutes out of Yandina. It's yep. on the Bunya uh, Bunya Road. Yep. Yeah. What a beautiful part of the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, it is really nice. Yeah. Yep. If somebody is deciding they want to either get a craft beer tour out there or they're up from uh, a southern state, Mm -hmm. uh, what can they expect on a regular basis uh, when they arrive? Is it going to be like a farm set up? Yeah, yeah. So we've got all the animals usually hang out at the back during the week and then on the weekends we uh, bring them out the front. We've got all these enclosures out the front where the kids can go in and interact with them. They can Mm -hmm. pat them and, you know. But, yeah, so we got all the the farm animals out the front where the kids can can interact and then, um, like I said, we have food trucks out there. Yep. So every Friday or Thursday now as well, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sundays are huge. We generally have three food trucks. Uh, we have live music, uh, generally acoustics and um, two-piece. Yep. So, yeah, heaps of games for the kids. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we generally organise that sort of stuff. Do you think tourists would be surprised by what the Sunshine Coast has to offer other than the beautiful beaches? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I worked the bar oh, no, it was a couple of months ago. I was in there and just, just helping out one, one random day. And this fellow said to me, he said, oh, how long you guys been open? I said, oh, nearly two years, you know. And he goes, mate, I didn't even know you were out here. Yeah. I'm like, where are you from? And he goes, Noosa. <laughs> like right. he was born and bred in Noosa and yeah, he, didn't know, yeah, yeah. he didn't know we existed. So yeah. like if some of the locals don't even know we're there, then yeah, certainly it's, it's you know, we need to get better at telling um, other people from other states what, what we have to offer because it's, it's awesome. What's the industry like? You're, uh, I guess it's small, uh, although it's expanded massively, yeah. what, 1922, two dozen uh, breweries yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I think there's 21 or t- 22 breweries okay. on the coast now, yeah. And pretty uh, from, you know, from very little mm-hmm. five, seven years ago 
to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it an industry that's super competitive because of that or is there no, a bit of friendship going on? No, it's actually super supportive. It's pretty crazy in that regard. It's it's like no, no industry that I've worked in, you know, yeah. in terms of super supportive, you know, helpful. Like if someone needs a brick of yeast or they need some hops or, or some pack techs or something like that, you know, you just reach out to someone and say, hey, mate, could I just grab this or, or replace it next week? Yeah, no worries. Come and get it. Like it's, yeah, it's really cool like that. And I think it probably stemmed from a bit from where it's, us independent guys versus the big guys, yes. you know, and I, and I don't want to diss the big guys. No. I tell you what, they make some good beer. Like, don't don't get me wrong. Yes, and, and they're still passionate, you know. And then, um, you know, you had little uh, breweries like Little Creatures come along, you know, Little Creatures Pale Ale, and that started waking people up. You that, know, people in WA particularly. Yeah, no, but you know, that reached um, the eastern states. Yeah, as well. yeah, definitely. And that that sort of opened my eyes. I'm like, you know, you, you don't have to have the same beer all the time. No. But you can experience different flavors. And and then your mate Bondi came along with uh, Swan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we had Swan Gold and. Yeah, Swan Lager and all that sort of jazz. So yeah, and, I, and over here, then uh, Powers came along. Uh, Powers Brewing, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was Han, and it just yeah. it seems we've got some, yes. Well, look, another one. Oh, we, please, why not? Why not hazy finish? Well, why not finish with with the, your choice? Your choice. I'll go another hazy. Okay, I'll go another hazy. Just fantastic. Yeah, uh, and so it seems to me the larger have got larger, but also yep. the smaller have got smaller as well. Yes, uh, it, the the it's gone in both directions. The industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, like we we still convert a lot of people, particularly where we are. Cheers. Um, we have a lot of local farmers, you know, in in the area that that'll come in and they say, "Look, you know, what, what beer have you got that just tastes like beer? Like I just I just want a normal beer." And you say, "Yeah, no worries, mate. We do it. We do it. We do a lager. Yeah, you know? it's it's a simple lager. It's not offensive. There's no crazy flavors going on. And and yeah, you watch them and they drink and they're like, oh, that's all right, you know. And they're surprised. <laughs> they're like they're just expecting something different. So yeah, we've converted a lot of people away from you know some of the the mass sort of lagers to to some of the craft beers. How do you deal with the price thing? Price is hard. Yeah, price is super hard. Like I was saying before, it's it's economy of scale, right? Mm. Like we have a twelve hundred liter system. Yep. You know, there's other breweries on the coast that have a two and a half thousand liter system. Yep. So my labor cost to physically brew that beer is double what theirs is. Yep. So it's really, really hard because the labor is a, is a huge component of it. The ingredients is 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 big, but it's not. I think for us on our scale, the labor is the biggest. You okay. know, by the time you you brew it, you ferment it, you you package it, there's a lot of labor. Right. That goes into it. And it's and it's really hard to probably get that across to the public as well. You know, when a public sees your carton of pale ale for seventy seven dollars, they yep. think, shit, you know, I can go and get a carton of fifty lashes for fifty five. Like why why would I pay, you know, seventy seven, seventy eight, even eighty dollars on yeah. some of the beers? And I guess well the, the reason would be is we're not making a hell of a lot of money out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you're only looking at sort of ten, twelve dollars a carton profit maximum. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're only producing a few hundred cartons a week, yeah. It's it's not huge. No. You know, like with all your overheads and, and bits and pieces. So I guess you know, you got to look at the, the the price at which a big big company uh, corporation can yep. produce a carton of beer. Yep. Is you know, it takes three people to run our canning line. Yeah. And our canning line runs at say I don't know maybe say fifty cans a minute. You know, you look at some of the yes. big boys canning lines. <laughs> it, it takes you know similar amounts of people, and they're thousands and thousands of cans a minute. Yeah, so gotcha. you know, it, it's all proportional. Speaking of which, if a if a visitor comes to your your brewery, can they see some canning going on? Uh, generally, we we like to do it outside of public hours because because it's noisy, right? Uh, you know, forklifts running around and stuff like that. But but our brewery, the way it's set up, though, when you visit it, you can actually walk and have a look at all the gear. Right, our canning line uh, is right on the edge of the brew pad, and it's got some big glass windows, and you can actually peer in there and have a have a have a sticky beak, which. Um, it's pretty cool to see on the weekends. I, I, I sometimes pot around doing bits in the brewery, and you, you see people—they're just in awe of 
all the shiny stainless and that's why we, we, we try every Friday to clean it from head to toe because we know we get thousands of people through over a weekend. Right. You know. What do you see yourself doing in five years' time, Brant? Still brewing beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's um, it's one of those things I get up every day and, and Ash, the other shareholder in Torella, you know, he's he's not hands-on in terms of like brewing or anything like that. And he said to me once, he said, well, what do you want to, what do you want to do out of it? Like, what, what's, your, what's your end goal? And I said, oh, mate, I just want to brew beer. You know, I just, I just love it. And he goes, well, all right, but we need to get it to a point where you get to choose whether you want to brew beer, right? I said, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's my ultimate goal to be able to be afforded. Like at the moment, I couldn't afford not to brew, <laughs> you know, just with the cost of labor and everything, but I enjoy it. So it, it doesn't matter to me, you know, um, but I certainly couldn't just sort of put someone in there and go and sit on a beach somewhere. Like it's not, you know, the business is not that profitable. As, as much as people think it is, yeah. it's, there's not a hell of a lot of money in making beer, not not at our scale. So, yeah, that's my, my goal would be to build it enough that we can, you know, I can choose whether to brew, I guess. Here's to choice. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to In Pursuit of Hoppiness, made possible by Visit Sunshine Coast. If you want to learn more about the great craft breweries in our region, crack the top off the Visit Sunshine Coast website and look for Australia's craft beer capital. And if you want to listen to more episodes, you can get them there too.